this is what I want. When did people decide that we were going to start calling salty snacks savory? I don't know. Uh, like they used to be salty snacks. You want you I want don't... a sweet snack or a salty snack? And then people start calling salty snacks savory snacks. <laughs> and I have to say, I didn't like that because the other thing is it kind of speaks to a very specific fear I've had my whole life that I wake up and I've slipped into a parallel universe that's exactly like my home universe, but just like really, really slightly different. Like Earth 2. Like you woke up on Earth 2. Like Earth 1.0004. Okay. And I wonder, Real random. did I used to live <laughs> on an Earth that they called them salty snacks? And now we call them savory snacks. Yeah, Have but you- you're saying that like there aren't that there aren't names of things that have changed. I'm just saying, it just seemed like there was no meeting, there was no notice. People just start saying, oh, do you want a, a savory or a sweet? I was like, what the hell is a savory snack? And then people looked at me like I was crazy, which then made me, have you heard the Berenstein Bears? No. There's a theory behind There's the There's a Bears. Berenstein Bears okay. theory. There are a group of people that believe that when they were children, yeah, the Berenstein Bears and Berenstein was spelled one way. And I forget which way it used to be spelled mm-hmm. and now it's spelled another way. And somewhere for these people, it changed. Okay. And they think that they've slipped into a parallel universe. It's a whole deal. Like, look up Berenstein Bears spelling when you get home. I it, mean, it's my- one of the weirder corners of the internet. But that's it's just like my salty savory thing that I just said, but it's specifically the spelling of the Berenstein Bears. I mean, like that just Did you look it up? <laughs> yes, I, 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 I looked it up. I looked it up. Um all right. Looking at, uh, but that's all I need to get off my chest about uh, the savory the, and the, the salty. A V Club. The A V Club has a story about this from August of two thousand fifteen. Uh, at some time in the last 10 years, reality has been tampered with and history has been retroactively changed. The Bears really were called the Berenstein Bears, S-T-E-I-N, when we were growing up. But now reality has been altered such that the name of the Bears has been changed post hoc. Until, um, somehow, we have all undergone a um, pie slash two phase change in all four dimensions so that we move to the stain uh, hextectin while our counterparts move to our hextectin steam. They are standing around expressing their confusion about the Berestein bears and how they all remember Berestein bears S-T-A-I-N on the covers growing up. Proof I... that there are I didn't even know that this was a thing. Tons of people with too much time on their hands. Right. Like, I I didn't even know that this was a thing. Outside of this, like, I don't know if it's like my East Coast speech impediment, but I can't even say the original name correctly to begin with. Exactly. The the Bernstein Bears. Mm -hmm. Like, it didn't. I don't care. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't even know it was a thing. Like. It's not. Wow. It's not. It's just. It's just people looking okay. for one more thing to complain about. Uh, it. Nobody's complaining. D- the just, fact that somebody even wrote this up. I'm just saying. The fact that this is a anyway, thing. I, somebody <laughs> complaining. That's all I need to get off my chest was about. Why is that on your chest? Because I, again, I was, it's 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 a thing with me. 
they used to be salty snacks. Like how much? Hey, how Vince, much do thought? you want some sweet snacks or some salty snacks? Well, you know, I like, take some chips. I want some salty snacks, and then it'd be, hey, you want a sweet snack or a savory? Because snack? I think also in that, like, why the snacks sexy all of a sudden? Well, it should hey, be, hey. but I think that it also encompasses like a number of flavors, not just salty. Like, I think it's also supposed to encompass like spicy too. Like, and I get what you're saying. Like, why don't you just say, I want a spicy snack? But that's just also when I was growing up, and now we're back to the 90s, spicy would have fallen <laughs> under salty. Hey, now do, you want, do, you want, do you want a salty snack? You know, I would get me some hot, some Al Capped hot fries from the liquor store. Jesus. Okay. And all of that is a nice segue, ladies and gentlemen, into this episode of the Michelle Mission, where we will be talking about something sweet. It is 2002's oh, Brown very Sugar. Nice. Very nice. Congratulations. I think you got another hit on your hands. Oh, yeah. I met this girl when I was 10 years old. And what, what I, I love lo- most, she has so much soul. <laughs> that song reminded me of us. Uh, I remember the exact day I met Dre and fell in love with the music. Oh, y'all, look what they doing over there! And as we grew up, the music grew with us. I can feel that way. Let me guess, newlyweds, right? Police, we are just friends. Mm-hmm. Police. Why you have to say it like that? Dre was going his direction. Yeah. I want to show you something. Oh, my God. Sydney was going her. Dre, man, cook for me. Did you actually see him cook for you? No. He's running game on you and his game worked. That's good cop. Mm. Let's have sex now. Let's. Me and Dre have been through a lot together, so yes, I love him as a friend. Maybe the fact that you're that close bothers me. I mean, we've been through everything together. You never thought about hooking up. You get the best of both worlds. You get the buddy and the boo. <laughs> Remember that feeling? It was so real. If we look back, maybe you can find that thing that we both know is missing. It just happened was the most amazing five minutes I've ever had in my life. Ten minutes. Seven. Nine. Okay, eight, whatever. Don't punk out like I didn't punk out with Sydney. Yes, you did. All I did was respect her wishes. Sound like some punk logic right there, man. Are you sure you want to do this tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> want to marry, um... Reese. Yeah. I'm gonna marry Reese. I got two words for the world. Be prepared. I got three words for your girl. Don't, don't be, be scared. scared. So when acts with a real hip hop, so Tay Diggs, Sanai Lathan, Most Deaf, Nicole Ari Parker, Boris Kojo, and Queen Latifah. That's your man. Oh, Never hold Say something then. <sighs> Shh. What type am I? You brown sugar. Now you could probably be in a video. Do this. Try. Do this. Okay, my name is Len, aka the Bat Tribble of Black Tribbles fame, and I am joined by I'm Vincent Williams of It's All Soul. And tonight we are, as we've just told you, and as you've just heard, we are reviewing 2002's Brown Sugar. But it's not just Vince and I. No, we have a very special guest who you've already been hearing her dulcet tones on the show. Uh, and during our, uh, our, our preamble <laughs> about something incredibly 
inane. It is reluctantly adults, fantastic host Charmel Scipio. How are you doing, Charmel? Hey, Charmel. I am good, and that is me, aka reluctantly triple, or no, excuse me, cynically triple. Cynically excuse triple. Me. I That's might right. actually need to change that so it matches my podcast name. Charmel, you're here uh, because uh, Brown Sugar was your selection as uh, as our guest. So um, get us into it. Why Brown Sugar and what exactly? All right. Movie? So here's the thing. Uh, the way that you guys were waxing poetic about Love Jones is mm. the way that I wax poetic about Brown Sugar. Okay. Okay. And that's because it is similarly my generation's version of it. Um, you can tell that it definitely takes a lot of its DNA from that time frame of like those really romantic early 90s films, kind of bohemian. Yeah. But they kind of updated it for, well, <laughs> the 9-9 in the 2000s, basically. Um, and I just love like, I love the energy of Sonali and, and Tay Diggs. Like, I don't know what it is about them. Like, maybe because they've been working with each other for 20 years or what have you. And they came together, you know, up through the ranks. I, I just love seeing them together. Like, it, it, it's great. Um, I think another thing is that this movie caught me at the right time. It came out in 2002. Mm-hmm. I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not as bad as I thought. That's as you like eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I think that's probably when Love Jones came out. Okay. Like, <laughs> probably somewhere around there. Um, so that movie just didn't catch me in the way right. that um, that this one did. I think also it came out with like a glut of other movies, like all the other black movies came out at this time. You know, you got your soul food and you got your wood and you got this. Um, It it was just like a string of movies, like one after the other that, you know, Mm -hmm. every, I guess around Thanksgiving every year, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then the following spring, they just had your money left and right. Um, And I think that there was a sort of, there was something about these movies that I'm not getting today in sort of romantic comedies in part because I'm not saying that I'm an, I'm a heathen, but I like my romantic comedies without a sermon, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just do like in that. And, and that's sort of one of the things that has me on the fence about the best man where like, I, I love that movie as like just the movie itself, just the cast compilation, everything like that. But it gets a little preachy sometimes mm-hmm. where I'm just like, okay, I need to fast forward through this. Where this movie didn't go there. It, it it didn't give me that, which is why this one stands out more for me rather than, you know, a best man or, or best man two or the wood or something like that. Like even the wood wasn't preachy, but that one was just like, it was a guy story and I couldn't get into yeah, that. Yeah, one. Like that, that yeah. was not a story mm-hmm. necessarily for me as a woman. Sure. Um, it, it was about coming of age as a man. So I was just like, good to know, I guess, but it, but <laughs> yeah. it, it didn't, it didn't stick with me in the right, same way. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I feel you on that as well. I think um, I'd actually forgotten that. Like I had forgotten that Brown sugar is actually from the point of view of Sid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, when it opened, I think the thing that, um, you know, and they reference it twice mm-hmm. in the movie, the, the, the common song, you know, I used to love her kind of grew out of 1994 song. And I think 
what happens at the, at this moment actually is is that um, Erica Badu makes love of my life, mm-hmm. and this is the moment where she claims it, like she claims hip hop from a female point of view. So that you know, I've, I absolutely agree with you. I see how this you can see, and 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 in a lot of ways, this is almost like a companion piece if if you're doing like the a Sinai Lathan night mm-hmm. with love and basketball yeah which you uh-huh. also have this sort of female you are you you're shaking your head because you don't like love and basketball i am yes because okay. i'm one of like the only black women like there I was are about to say, there are a like number the... of things where i always have to give sort of like i don't know like a like a precursor or or some sort caveat of, or something yeah mm-hmm. because it's always a thing of like okay i don't like the song weak by swv it's annoying and I don't like love and basketball. And it's always just like, I'm scorned. And everyone's like, get out. We yeah. hate you. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like, if, if there were two things that I thought were continuously overplayed throughout my childhood, it would be those two things. Like, <laughs> SWV and love and basketball. We talked about this. So there, it, it really is a generational thing that people, people act like love and basketball is there, you know. They think that one, and, and I, no I, I think that there is an argument for that one actually being our generation's Love Jones. I, I actually would concede that point. I would say yes. But it's not for me because I just didn't like that movie. And in part, the reason that I didn't like that movie was that, I don't know, like it was just, it was too real in the sense of like two people not being in the same place mm. at the same times and sort of that that fight that you have going back and forth where, okay, one person finally gets there and the other person is not there. So you kind of have to go on with your life. And then the other person finally gets there, but now you're not like, it's this constant friction that it's, it's too real. Like it's too real where that's, I'm just like, I don't watch movies to just be like, Oh yes, that is uh that's, that's real. Like it, it's too real in that, in that respect. So I'm just sort of like, and, and that's a callback to what you guys were saying about love Jones, like love Jones, it didn't just say, okay, they got together and that's the end. Like, no, it, it continued past that. And it sort of lets you see what they look like growing together as a relationship. And that's what made, I think that's what made me uncomfortable with like love and basketball in part that I was like, I don't know, 12 when it came out, something right, like that. Right, right. But also like, even now as an adult, I'm just like, there are so many emotions. I can't, <laughs> I can't deal with this. Like, I can't, like, there are times where there are things that are on screen. Literally, I can't watch American Idol. Thank God it's off the air. But like when someone was doing bad, like my sympathetic sort of nerve right, system, right. The, the cringe factor, just, I have to change the channel. Like I have to, like, it, it's, imp- it's a part of me. So this sort of discomfort when I get into situations like this, be it in life or watching it on screen, my number one reaction in, in fight or flight is always flight. Like, I don't know. I'm out of here. I can see what you're saying. Um, because when I'm thinking about love and basketball, and like you said, the whole story of it, um, despite its ending, there is a very more or less realistic, um, tone mm-hmm. to the story and and the play the the yin and yang of it whereas with brown sugar just based on like the whole trappings of it and her giving the narration and everything brown sugar is um more a truer romantic comedy mm-hmm. in the way that it could almost be like there's a fairy tale yeah, I I would say that a, a Brown Sugar is on the same level as any movie that you would see Sandra Bullock play in. 
Sandra Bullock. Right. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know right. that these are not super high stakes. Quite frankly, you could say if you switch out hip hop for country music, it could be white people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it could it could easily be white people, and and I think that that's the the thing that I like about this movie is that you change a couple words or you change a couple themes, and it's another movie that you would see, you know, a Sandra Bullock or a Drew or, Barrymore in. Or um, what's her what's uh, Goldie Hawn's daughter's name? Um, oh God, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. Goldie Hawn's daughter. Gwyneth Paul, not Gwyneth, not Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow. Oh no! Oh, Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. God! The most basic of yeah, but oh, yeah, she's but she, basic. Janie, but she yeah. did like a string, right? Right. Oh, yeah. That's just of her these thing. Movies, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, see, see now, we've you know because you you you've listened to the show, and mm-hmm. I think me and Vince have done a good job <laughs> in cementing our positions that Vincent is easily the more erudite of of us and one that kind of like you know finds something a kernel of something on on which to you know you know have some you know joy or at least <laughs> at least to be able to click a a small like onto about every movie right. that we that we have watched um even the ones that he doesn't like I, I can be a little bit of a harsher critic. Now, and <laughs> saying that, um, you 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 good, Charmel? I'm I'm chilling. Yeah, I'm good. I, I do. I took my daughter on her first roller coaster like last summer. She said she wanted to go on a roller coaster. Yeah. Like, well, I want to go on a roller coaster. Did you and put we were, her on we, car? we were on the roller coaster. I mean, she's 11. It was like oh, okay. you know dumbass roller coaster, like uh, Hershey Park. So okay. like a little, okay. but it, but it was a roller coaster. And when we got up at the top, I looked over. I said, "You ready?" And she said, "Oh yeah." I, was like, I said, "Now you know this is about to drop, right?" She's like, "Oh yeah." And then we dropped. So. You good, Charmel? I'm chilling. All right. Uh, listen, I rode King Daka in the front car. All right. Well, so I'm about that life. Go ahead, Lynn. <laughs> There's a. I like this movie. I like Brown Sugar. I remember liking it when I watched it in a movie. When I watched it when it came out in 2002, and now watching it again, which maybe is probably only the second or third time I've watched it since mm-hmm. then. Um, watching it again, I. St- still like it i still enjoy very uh, a lot about it but the one thing that a lot of people came out of this movie when it came out in 2002 they were always like you know talk about yeah man you know that connection man you know your life and hip-hop and everything you love it you love it in the hip-hop man you know because life is hip-hop and hip-hop is life man what love what peace watching it now that hip-hop metaphor in this movie mm-hmm is so hard. I mean it is just played so hard mm-hmm. yeah too hard it is forced so hard into this into this movie that it became annoying mm-hmm. to me it was like can you can you just talk to one another right. it's not a subtle film no <laughs> no no this no. is this is like the action jackson of of <laughs> of romance movies which is why even after all these years, when I think about when I would think back about Brown Sugar, what I would think about enjoying was most deaf. Mm-hmm. Well, you cannot mm-hmm. not enjoy most deaf in this movie. Yeah. 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 And the scene at the dinner when everybody's like at the party where everybody's oh, like yeah. going around because most deaf and that scene 
are the most naturalistic yes. scenes in Absolutely. this entire movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The editing of it is totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, the the you it sounds if they're if they're not ad living, it sounds like they may, they probably just like threw a real party and they're getting into that rhythm yep. of being at a party right. with their right. lines, you know. They're not trying to force down these hip hop metaphors and having Sinai Lathan just talk, you know, have this voiceover that's so forced on, on top of it. Um, some of the acting, you know, Hey, I, I, I'll go on record that Boris Kojo, you know, he's, he needs to just play every corpse in every movie from, from now on. Cause he, he he's, he's just, he just, he so, just needs to stand there and look pretty. It yeah. does just to, um, cause I would, like, let's just get the stuff out there. And then come back to it. I wonder. I think that it's it's ironic that that this is a film that, like you said, when people talk about, you know, they kind of connect it to mm-hmm. this very sort of heavy handed, you know, love of hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I think I noticed this time, and I've always noticed it, that its critique is so empty. Mm-hmm. Yes, like like yes. The, like the critique has no bite no. whatsoever, and. There were there are two elements at the very beginning where you can kind of tell the you, you know sort of the the that this is not going to be what you want it to be. Mm. First, you have all these cameos in the beginning. You're talking about in the, the beginning, yeah, and you have Russell Simmons himself. So you already tell that this kind of in the bag, right? For you know, sort of corporate hip hop, because mm-hmm. you know, let's let's just be real. Two thousand two was you know 15 years ago but by 2002 hip hop was already well on its way to being a billion dollar industry it was so Russell Simmons in the film you kind of tell what's going on second this whole thing with the hip hop Dalmatians and how (laughs) this is supposed to be this great commentary on the commercialization of hip hop and how true hip hop culture and and, you know raucous was going on at this moment yeah but that's not what people were critiquing. No, you know they were talking about. The, I mean, again, let's go, you go back to the source material. I used to love her. Mm-hmm. This is a song he talked about. You know where people were banging her and taking her to the sewer, mm-hmm. and she's on the West Coast. I mean, he says it in a follow up. So I mean, I think in Love of My Life he says it. It was an actual beef mm-hmm. between him and Ice Cube yeah. over this. Like this was an actual philosophical battle for what it meant to be hip hop mm-hmm. at this moment and for 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 this film to kind of position itself to say we are not only part of this conversation but we have been inspired by this common sense song and then completely defang the argument right. yeah you yeah. know so it's like that was amazingly disappointing to me and and you know again to have these people oh i love hip-hop and they're sitting on the bench and they're talking about their favorite groups and you know and they get dana dana you know they went and found dana dane and mm-hmm. you know and all of this and then why you gotta say they, they found dana dane dana dane be doing stuff <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm I'm yeah, sure no, Dana Dame be doing stuff, but I mean, you know, he's not Slick Rick and he's not Dougie Fresh. Right, right. cleaning out your garage is doing stuff, but that don't mean <laughs> I'm waiting for somebody to pick up on it. <laughs> <you. laughs> sure. So you know that that really kind of bothered me. This, yeah. Because like you, I, I you know I think this may be my third time. It's so weird how you think you see things and then like time goes by and you realize you haven't seen them in right, a long time. Right. And and you know it's it's sort of like. 
like I was, we were saying last week about the visit, or I was saying about the visit because you you didn't really like the visit at all. I think the age shows, and I think mm-hmm. I think my read of it is your read, Charmel. But m- what I take from that read is something completely different, Absolutely. like that sheen of it, that fairy taleness of it. Mm-hmm doesn't like like I felt like there was no actual conflict so my thought in the film like like you know it was like you kind of knew the two of them were going to get together there was no real chemistry right. between the two of them and Boris Cujo and Nicole Larry Parker right and it, it just sort of it just sort of went through the motions mm-hmm. to get to him like my thought is you are absolutely right. But then I also sort of put that into the context of the time where do I really want this romantic comedy talking about the beefs that eventually led to the deaths of like Tupac and Biggie, which were five, six years prior to mm-hmm. this, you know, like you couldn't make a movie with the type of critique that you're saying without addressing those particular things. Yeah. And and quite frankly, like this was not that the movie. movie. Right. Like, right. like, right. If if we're talking about sort of getting into the the meat and potatoes of that argument, then we're talking about looking at movies like Belly. Like we're not talking about looking at movies like this because this movie was not this movie was built around a common song and then built around sort of like a remix to that song. Like like let's be honest about that. Like mm-hmm. it it wasn't this movie was built to fit that song. It, it yeah. didn't have those stakes. It, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like the stakes were incredibly low on this. Like it, it was just there to say, look at how much money we made after soul food. Right. How much more money right. can we make sort of catering to people in this particular way? Catering is a good word. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's, it's not, it's, it's not a situation where, like every like I, I don't feel like there are very many stakes in like Sandra Bullock movies. Like it's not like I don't see what the goal line is at, mm-hmm. at the end, regardless of what it is that she tacks it to. You know Okay, like the proposal. You saw as soon as the proposal started, like her and Ryan Gosling were getting married at the end. Like you you yeah. knew that was happening. So I don't necessarily push this push that off as being a bad thing, but to your point Tacking it to hip hop, like I think that that was an explicit an explicit move to get sort of the urban culture into oh, yeah. right, the right, movie right, theaters. Right, like right. It, it wasn't a situation to be like hip hop really is sold. Like mm-mm. that 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 is not that movie. Like the writers of this were not those people. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Uh, the, my, the writers Michael Elliott and Rick uh, Fumiawa, who also directed it, mm-hmm. and who who would go on to a little bit more. Uh, in more subtle uh, tones to write and direct um, dope. dope. He's yeah. our first twofer. Yeah. He's our first twofer director. He is. The, the other thing that I, I, I found myself not in, I don't want to say necessarily not enjoying, but stood out to me mm-hmm. in this movie that I didn't remember from, you know, watching it years past is how much um, Sinai Lathan's character uh Sydney is kind of like a damsel in distress in this movie. Like I don't see her working with a lot of her own agency in this movie. I actually have a note about that and I wonder if it's her character rather I, I wonder if it's her rather than the character. Hmm. Because every time I see a movie with her, like it is it, 
she has this way of acting that inherently makes you think that she's unsure of what it is that she's mm. about to do or say mm-hmm. or how she's about to interact with people. And I mean this from brown sugar to um, the best man mm-hmm. to something new. Like there, there is something that is inherently a part of like, if you want someone that acts incredibly, incredibly timid toward a decision that they've made, and you want to believe sort of their arc to a certain degree, then that's who you hire. Like you hire Sana because she will make you feel like she is really afraid of the decision that she just told you she was going to make. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you say that because I, I remember kind of thinking that same thing, mm-hmm. watching her in another movie when she was in uh, Alien versus Predator. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and thinking that, oh, that's kind of unique that they're going for her. Mm hmm. Wow, she's really miscast yeah. in this movie. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of Sonal Lathan. And I'm being very specific with my wording mm-hmm. with I'm not a fan. Like, I don't hate her. Like, mm-hmm. some people, I hate right. their work. But she is, you know, I just I just feel like she's almost a very pretty placeholder sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's like she doesn't have that sort of that sort of energy that crackles right underneath with a Neil Long. Yeah. Um, I'm probably the world's biggest Monica Calhoun fan. It's oh, nice. It's a small room, but I am the president. Um, <laughs> you know, they're they're like Monica Calhoun has like that sexiness. That I just I like Sanaa Lathan never really. And and I'm I'm kind of re saying what you've said, mm-hmm. which ironically makes this a good movie for her. Sanaa Lathan never really seems like anything is at stake whether she's mm-hmm. running from an alien whether she's <laughs> trying to get omar epps's in let's play from my heart whether she's singing and disappearing acts with old ass wesley snipes because mm-hmm. her i forgot that she was in blade she was his mom she was yeah you know i mean you know to give her credit in blade she's that, in blade like... for like you know like so but i have to say i felt the same way about Tay Diggs in this. Like yes. like like what I wrote in, in my notes with Tay Diggs and I used the word sheen earlier. Mm-hmm. There's a sheen to Tay Diggs mm-hmm. where it's like he's in this, but he's not of this. It's almost can I get comic y? Can we get mm-hmm. comic triple e it's almost like Grant Morrison talks about putting on a fiction suit okay. and stepping into comic books mm. like a space suit. I feel like that's how Tay Diggs is oftentimes in films from this moment where I'm Tay Diggs and I'm in these movies because I'm real chocolate and the ladies love, well, you know, the black ladies love me. Yeah. So I'm in these movies, but I'm not necessarily vested. Mm. You know, I'm in them. And, And you see from scene to scene, he's either joking or he's being, you know, Tay Diggs charming copyright Tay right. Diggs <laughs> the smile it, you know the smile and yeah. you know except I, I do I, I did write I, I really really enjoyed the post um infidelity scene at, mm. at the at the um at that the bar is... where he where he and Nicole Airy yeah. Parker kind of and it's like okay Tay Diggs is acting like this is this is an actual situation mm-hmm. in this scene yeah mm-hmm. you started to say I, like 
I think that Sanaa is sort of the go-to good girl. Like, if you, if you need a woman that will sort of play this very, I don't know, like, like virginal sort of not necessarily having super high stakes. Um, like, I, I think that she is the perfect person for that because honestly, I don't, I don't see Nia Long playing that role. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that she couldn't play that role, but I just don't see her as that, you know? Mm-hmm. And the same would go for, like, a Gabrielle Union. I don't see Gabrielle Union playing that particular role. Like, there are, there are certain instances where I do think that you need a Sanaa in the sense that it, it, who else would you put? Like, like she's she would be our equivalent, like, plain Jane, quite frankly. You know what mm. I mean? Like, and I don't mean that as a... As a knock against her, I mean that as like as a steady person that you know that at the very least when you put them in the movies that there are going to be people that show up for it. Like, I'm going to be honest, like the only reason that I went to go see something new was because she was in it. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay. Like, like I, I... I get not being a fan of her though, because it's it's a situation where it's just like Jesus, like it's the same arc over and over and over again to the point that it's literally a circle. I get that. But See, it, it, oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. no, 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 no. I, it, but I, I'm saying, like you know, go, just going back to this movie. That's what was like really striking me about this movie, especially considering that she is the narrator of the mm-hmm. film. Especially like you saying, like the film is told from her point of view and yet her point of view is just like just this damsel oh waiting for you know dre or now i've got i've got kobe beef or or, uh, and and just keep just bouncing all along and not doing anything on her own of her of her own agency you know what i mean especially considering like this movie and it's you know this is around the time when they did this in the first like 10 15 minutes you know they make sure that to drop in everybody's resume mm-hmm. yes. you know <laughs> you know exactly. it's rise of the super negroes exactly yeah. you yes. know so so that you can uh everybody's making like x amount of amount of dollars they're at you know the the epitome of the of their career you know that they're, they're where they're supposed to be as they're nearing 30 so as um <laughs> you know um it, like come on let's get serious you know what i mean uh uh um so that we can justify these huge you know uh, apartments and sets that everything is is uh is in and then i didn't i didn't like i thought it was a little bit of a cheat for uh now watching it for the Nicole Ari Parker um, character, Reese. Reese. She has, I would say, a lot of women would say, legitimate, you know, concerns about. <laughs> I kept writing down, Reese is right. She has Reese le- is making sense to me. Not legitimate concerns in that. Well, I mean, ultimately, it's, it is legitimate concerns because, mm-hmm. you know, anybody can see the heat off of them. But as far as they have shown, she, you know, in front of her, you know, they technically haven't, you know, done anything. But she is like, you know, hey, you know, my 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 man's best friend is is a is a chick. And yes, she knew it beforehand. That's fine. But I thought it was a bit of a cheat for for them to then make her right cheating on him. Right. 
You know what I mean? I thought that there was enough story mm. right there with her, with her character, and and also with her character as they had also um, played it, and that her character had kind of like built him up, and mm. is and and that relationship being what maybe you know turned him from where he really should be, you know, with hip hop. Um, <laughs> I thought that that was a, there was enough story there. Right. For that you didn't need to go the whole route of her cheating. Now, don't get me wrong. I loved when he showed up at the restaurant. Yes, that is my favorite scene and out I, of the whole movie. And I love the John. Like, what does he say? Like, yeah, I, I need like a bottle of wine and some pork chops. And pork chops. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was on the floor. Yes, but I thought that I thought that was a little bit of a cheat for them to do that. Sure. Yeah, like it was. You don't have to defend it. No, like what do you have to say about that, Charmel? What about the pork chops and champagne scene? Should have let him get the pork chops. Like (laughs) I thought, honestly, like that is literally my favorite scene in this movie. Like it is so funny, and I think that I think that move that particular scene encapsulate what both Sana and Tay Diggs do very well. Like if you see her sitting there, like she's very awkward mm-hmm. in being there, yeah. and no one plays awkward better like than Sonali. No one. So like you, you see awkwardly her. adult. Like exactly. Like you, you see go. her, and now you're just I like, shit. Like I, I, I don't want to be her. And then on the other hand, like you see him, and he's very antagonizing like he's not he's not necessarily like going right at this dude like he's antagonizing him like you see him goading him into this Richard conversation Lawson. right like he sound, <laughs> he sounds educated go ahead girl like really yes. like this is what you're doing i loved it though. like and and the thing is is like to a degree like sydney also plays sort of like the audience surrogate to mm, a degree where you're true. just mm, like would you do this? Like, do right. you think this is a good idea to go into this restaurant with these fancy ass ra- waiters dressed like penguins? You're in a hoodie. <laughs> I'm in a leather jacket and everyone else in here is dressed in, you know, collared shirts and everything. Like, do you think this is a good idea? Like it, it's certain instances like that, where this particular scene, in addition to the new year's Eve scene, like I really thought that they sparkled together. Like I thought they mm. worked well together in part because of, what is their core things where he's very antagonistic and she's just awkward and she yeah. plays that awkwardness up as her strength. Like it's it's very good. Like she's honed that very well. She has. All right. Were you about to say something? No. Go ahead. <laughs> I um I'm a fan of Nicole Airy Parker. I'm a fan. I we, we talked um I guess last week or the week before last about loving Jezebel. Mm-hmm. Like she's another one sort of like Hill Harper has mm-hmm. this kind of weird quirky resume mm-hmm. of films that she made before she hit soul food. Yeah. Really. And you know, I believe in Boris Cujo. Like but like like mm-hmm. I, I believe in Boris Cujo. I think with the right project, mm. Boris Cujo could work. Yes, I told you what the I right think, project yes, is. Yes, yes, yes. But I think the problem with both of them is is sort of the Brad Pitt thing. They're too pretty. Okay, listen, Brad is no, not see, no, really that's, that, that's not a good okay. argument. That's not a good Troy argument. is amazing. Like oh, Mr. Okay. No, 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 no. By the way, by the Brad Pitt problem. When you talk about Brad Pitt being t- amazing, you don't bring up Troy first. Right. I'm he's saying not, he's half naked in that I'm entire movie. It, but see, but there you go. Me? 
I'm saying people, perspective. Oh, people perspective. didn't take him you, seriously as an actor. Right. Now, because he's Brad Pitt and because, you know, frankly, he has more options than, you know, these two little black children. You know, he got to the point where, right. you know, people now treat him like an actor. And I do think um, and, and I'm going to believe in Nicole Harry Parker more than Boris Cujo. But I mm. see sparks Smart. from Boris Cujo, you know, throughout Soul Food. Um I'm ashamed to say this. I was probably it was probably me and their parents. You remember right after Soul Food, they had a show. Like yeah. the two of them had a show. Like mm-hmm. I think I watched all uh five and a half episodes. What was that like undercover or something? No, no, I mean see, I'm this talking is, about that's recent. Yeah, no, I'm talking Nicole Airy Parker and Boris Cujo had a show. No, wasn't it called uh, No, you're thinking about when Boris Cujo was with um was it Paula Patton? Not Paul okay. Patton. It was um old girl. I forget her name, but she was on Doctor Who. She yeah. played Martha's mm. sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about Nicole Ari Parker in in Boris Cujo had a show. Oh, and she was like a flower child, and he was straight laced, and hijinks ensued. Mm. <laughs> but he's all right. I, you know, I don't. You know, but uh, that's all. I just want to get that in there. Like I always have stuff that I want to go ahead. <laughs> Like, I'll listen to things. Like, I'll listen to us talking to podcasts. Like, oh, I meant to say that. Right. And then I didn't say it. So, like, I I think you're talking about the second time around. Is that what it's I think so. Like? Yeah. yeah. Not to be confused with uh, Baby, I'm Back, which is what Damon Wilson made after Sanford and Son. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh, what's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Yes, I do remember that. I mean, he's okay. <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, if, you know, I had to, you know, pick a pretty light-skinned dude, I'm probably going, like, I mean, the flavor of the month right now is Jesse Williams, because he's hashtag woke bay. so there's that. I mean, it's not, Boris, Boris Kojo hasn't been it for a very long time, and let's be honest, like, you'd sprinkle Shamar more across the screen, people are going to be like, well, I'll just go this way instead like i I mean i don't i I think that he's a nice person i just don't think that he's that great of an actor no i mean it's funny you getting back to tay diggs and you talking about the sheen and how he kind of like puts his tay diggs on in in this film like a a few other grant morrison's fiction suit because i shiny suit deep certainly into i think the um what is what bothers you or bothers me about that I'm not going to hate on a brother. You know, he's, he's making his coins. He's doing what he's doing. What he's got to do. But he has shown and you can get the sense from him that there's deeper there. 
You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, there. absolutely. Especially, especially if you've ever seen him on stage. Absolutely. You know what I mean? He, he's a he's a fantastic uh, song and dance man. Um, I mean, he's great in Rent. He's great. He's great you in know, Rent. You think he's, about he's his breakthrough role. He's good. He's good in the narrator in um, Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. He's, he was good in Private Practice. Very good. Very good. But it's also Shonda Rhimes. Like you talk about right. having to elevate yourself. There like, you go. but it, it and it, it's um like in these movies, in some of these movies, he's playing like. I think I think what he's putting on is not his Tay Diggs. I think he's putting on his Morris Chestnut coat. Oh. See, and 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 that's the reason why when he's doing that, Morris Chestnut is not working because Morris Chestnut to me only has the one coat, whereas Tay has yeah. a few coats that he can put on. Okay, so he puts that. his Morris Chestnut coat on in these, you know, in this in this film. Um, and I, it's interesting, like you said that, because I was getting that as well. When especially with the whole forceness of the whole hip hop metaphor and everything like that, it just sounded so unnatural coming from him as he as he was reading those lines um and you can almost see him like if i gotta say like name check another hip-hop lyric mm-hmm. or rap song on, in this in this monologue you know um because because as much as this movie wants to be hip-hop mm-hmm. and that's why all these references it's not most death is hip-hop just because he is yep right which is that's all you need he's hip-hop just because he is Mm -hmm. and but to the same degree on a whole nother level latifah with Mm -hmm. what the little bit she's doing in this film is hip-hop yeah just because of what she is but i think they're they also work as the audience surrogates too yeah they do but they just act so much better and I, and I think that's the thing. Like, I think they don't have to act like this is their world. This, right. this is their lives. True. You know True. what I mean? True. Like True. the the era in which they are saying that they fell in love with hip hop is the era in which Queen Latifah was like coming through. That was her era. You know, right. like like that was her. So if, if you're talking about, you know, Adidas and fat laces and Kangles and, you know, rope chains, like that was her life. Yeah. Like yeah. exactly what they were talking about sort of in the beginning where, you know, they're in the park and they're walking through and, you know, you got Slick Rick and everybody in the park rapping like that was that was the life that she led, you know, and let's be honest, most deaf sort of came in. Most deaf was there, but not not to the same degree. Like no. he kind of came up on the second wave that would have been ushered in on the shoulders of a tribe called quest or de la soul Mm -hmm. or um diggable planets like that would have been his lane that he came up in and around the time that this movie came out we talked about erica badu like that's the lane that he fits in like whether or not he wants to be or not like he would have been sort of the grandfather to you know our talibs or our um What's his name? Uh, skateboard dude. Oh, uh, uh, Lupe Fiasco. Yeah, yeah, like like he would have been sort of yeah, he definitely the DNA sort of a part of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they were leading two very separate sort of areas, but but that's why it's so sort of genuine when it comes from them yeah. because most stuff already has that sort of hip hop swag to him because it's a natural part of him, and I think it's also a natural part of like where he grew up at yeah right yeah also not to take anything away from that but i, I do think it's worth noting most deaf is an amazing actor 
Yeah. Like just couldn't, as a, couldn't like, act his way back into the country, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Global, like, global passport. I've seen him on Broadway twice. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, the couple of times he's been on television. To, here you go. Now I'll pull out another show that I was one of the very few fans. You know, he, do, you, do, you, do you remember the Cosby Mysteries? Yes, I remember. He was on the Cosby Mysteries. Okay, I'm sure. I'm sure that's not on his resume anymore. He was great in the Cosby Mysteries, though. Okay, like and it was a great show. Um, he's a fantastic actor. He's a great actor. Uh, you know, he made that movie about the Hopkins surgeon. Yeah. Uh, you, I'm you know, just thinking about that. So I think that, along with as you know, we've noted his life experience. Like you mm-hmm. said, this was actually him. And it's it's just a joy every time he's on the screen. Mm-hmm. He's really funny. He's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. He's funny. He's personable. He's you know he's most deaf. I actually like the scenes with Tay Diggs and Most Deaf. Yes. Like I wanted. Like when it ended, I wanted them to make a buddy movie. <laughs> the movie you were thinking about is um, it was I think it was an HBO movie. Yeah, right? something yeah. the Lord made. Something oh, the Lord yeah, made. Yeah. yeah. He was good in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy too. I yeah. never saw that. Yeah, he's pretty cool in that. Yeah, and uh, who was it? Eleven blocks, seven blocks, with Bruce Willis. Sixteen blocks, something like that. You know, this uh, number blocks. Yeah, that one. Streets. <laughs> <laughs> Surviving these streets. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's a. Uh, but I, I think another thing that we would be remiss not to talk about. Is the actual music in this film? Oh my god! Like there, and the thing is, is like as someone that bought the the soundtrack, mm-hmm. the soundtrack itself is garbage. Like it is it's trash. It like is. you actually have to go back through and list, like watch the movie to be like that song is not on the soundtrack. <laughs> there are certain songs that are not on the soundtrack, like and the you're just like, no, no, it's garbage. No, it's got like most deaf in the roots, mm. and those songs are fine because those Erica songs are Badu actually played and... in the movie. Yeah. But there are some songs that are on the soundtrack that are not even actually played, even in the background, and you're like. What the hell? Like, I had this on. Do I have the soundtrack on? It, 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 it's <laughs> on my uh, you've got, of course, um, you know, Brown Sugar, the, yes, which you know nobody's going to knock knock that, and you've got um, uh, Erica Badu, Love of My Life, mm-hmm. uh, but then you've got uh, Bring Your Heart with Angie Stone. Um, I like that song. It's okay. Easy conversation with Joe Scott. I love that song. Actually. Yeah, I love that song. So what are we yeah. four or five deep now? Nice four or five, but it's fifteen tracks. All right. Uh, it's going down by Blackalicious with Lafif the Truth. I don't remember liking that one. I like Blackalicious. Okay. Uh, Rashawn Patterson, you make life so good. I love Rashawn Patterson. You but, love him, but that song—it's a good song. I don't think I didn't really like that song that much. Uh, I did. Now I did. Now this is what I did like. I I ain't gonna talk crazy about Cassandra Wilson. No, Cassandra Wilson, time after time. Okay, that—that—that's some mood music right there. All right, sure. Look, okay. I think this is a a situation. Are you about to talk crazy about Cassandra Wilson? I'm—I'm not. Like, I'm just like, okay, like, sure. Like, you guys feel some type of way about it, and I am genuinely apathetic or dispassionate about it. Not even dispassionate. Genuinely apathetic. Like, okay, like literally take it or leave it but probably we'll just leave it on the shelf and walk away oh, wow mm-hmm. uh paid in full eric b and rock M. you 
You okay with paid in full? I'm okay with Eric being rockin'. Okay, all right. I'm 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 okay with paid in full, but I just don't like the I don't like like this is the seven minute version. Like that song doesn't need to be seven minutes. Right, right. right. Um, no one knows her name by High Tech. Yeah, yeah that one wasn't that good. garbage. That's that's a- Act Two, Love of My Life, uh, The Roots. Okay, ne- Never Been, Mary J. Blige. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I like and I love Mary J. Blige, but I don't yeah. think that's like that's not the Mary J. Blige that I I love. And then um, you change by Julie Black, who I, I don't even remember that right. song. I, I I remember it's a good soundtrack. I remember Y'all buying bugging. the soundtrack and just repeating, you know, uh, most deaf and Erica Badu, uh, like. I am looking at the soundtrack on my actual phone because I actually have it on my actual phone because I actually enjoy it. Yeah, I have it on my phone, and then I remember going through and deleting all of the songs that I hated, which left me with probably like four songs. Now, the Best Man soundtrack is a garbage soundtrack. Probably. But the the issue that I took with the Brown Sugar um, soundtrack is that a song that took up actually like significant screen time didn't make it. And it was Blackalicious Feel That Way. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like that song, it's if we're a good talking, song too. it is a fantastic song. And for a long time, I remember be- that was the number one thing that pissed me off about the soundtrack. Now we're getting to it. <laughs> was because it didn't have the song and it took me like three years to find it because it wasn't like sort of just right out there right and it, and it didn't say black alicious right like right like, right right what the hell who the hell is that kind of yeah. thing like he was like an underground sort of like indie artist at that time and i just was like you guys did yourself a real big disservice with not putting this song where this is the song that dre walks down the street and he has this yeah. flashback of them being kids and it is sort of one of those songs that gives you that old school feel but like with a new school sort of remix yeah, to that's it. on um i think that's on nia i actually i actually love black alicious mm. see you should have called me <laughs> sure you yeah. should have called me and said hey this is a 12 year old that you've never met before right. what's that song in brown sugar and i said which one are you talking about and then he said yeah. i said oh that's um that's black alicious i think that's on nia Good album, by the way, too. By the way. Okay. So, there you go. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> See? But I mean, like, the, the music that was in the background <laughs> had, like, it was very interesting. Like, for instance, the jazz song that's playing in the background when Sydney and Kelby are on their date mm-hmm. is the song that the Roots sample yeah. for, you know, Stay Cool, which is, like, one of my favorite songs by them because it's really reckless when you listen to it. Um, and I'm just like, there are a lot of very interesting sort of nuggets like that yes. throughout the movie that is not highlighted right. in the, the, the soundtrack. Exactly. I thought you were going to go to the most obvious one. I Used to Love Her isn't on the soundtrack. Right. Yeah, which you would... You would think. You would think, you know, they they get on it. Maybe they couldn't afford it. That's how I knew the fix was in. Donnie Cloud Nine isn't on the soundtrack. Cloud Nine is not on there. It's not, and Cloud that is the only song. You are you are maybe change. See, you're changing my opinion of the movie, the, the the use of music in the movie. See, the bad thing is I had all of it, so it never dawned on me. It's like we were talking about. Who were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about dope. You're like, oh, yeah. go buy the soundtrack. I mean, I have all this shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How right. about that? Like, do I just rearrange it in a playlist? Right. That's right. actually what I did. Yeah. I recreated it. Like recreated the play, like the, the brown the sugar brown mixtape. sugar soundtrack that it should have been, versus what they actually. We sold could have it. a party, and like call it like the brown sugar mixtape. Oh my god, we should. 
the brown sugar mixtape. Um, Both of our podcasts could host it. Yes, we and could. sponsored. We find a space. The brown sugar mixtape. Yeah. Oh, we'll see what we can do. Our, we'll see what we can do. That that's Lynn Soft now. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. We'll just Don't get a widget together. Shamel, Shamel, put it on there. Shamel, do you have any children? Shamel, Shamel, do you have any children? No, I don't. See, that's I knew that because you don't speak parent. See, I speak <laughs> fluent parent. So when he said we'll see, I said I know this Negro <laughs> did not just hit me with the <laughs> soft with no. The like I don't do that shit all the time with my daughter. <laughs> Daddy, can we go get ice cream at the school? We'll see, baby. <laughs> Like I don't speak fluent parent. I did, man. I really did. I, I mean, really did. you could just create like a quick widget and just put all the songs that should be there on there. Hey, Charmel, we'll see. Cool, <laughs> we'll see. Cool, 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 cool. See? See? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. all right. Okay. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about <laughs> about brown sugar? <laughs> oh. I mean, we talked, we touched on this earlier, but the movie is, re- it did not age well. It did not age well at all as far as like its, its cultural references. Yeah. Oh, they no. weren't, yeah. Yeah. they were not vague enough to be able to float. Like I actually have a note that I wrote down where it says they talked about MTV rotation. L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L. Because you talked about MTV rotation. I'm just like. Shit, MTV hasn't played a video. Right. Wow. Uh, to the point that I thought Carson Daly was dead. Wow. Well, I right. thought it's to to your point. I mm-hmm. I, I did notice that that kind of kind of neat set piece, isolated, where um where Tay Diggs Tay Diggs is trying to put a CD. Oh yeah. In yeah, the yeah. CD player, yeah. and it is you know it's like this comedic moment, and I was like, wow. There are people who have no idea what's what is really happening right now. Like yeah. like what what is what is actually going on, the function in the C D yeah. and 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 you're right, I think, you know, just the dynamic of the music industry. Right. And this sort of I have this underground artist and I have to go to the radio station mm-hmm. to break him. Yep. And um I agree. I there there are a lot of aspects of the film that, that don't age. See see where you see that as it doesn't age well, as I just see it, there's, it's just of its time, you okay. know, um, because like, am I am I going to knock when I watch an an old Humphrey Bogart movie that you know they always have to like find a phone or, or right. something like that? Sure, it, sure. Or, or or they're flipping through the flipping through the phone book at the at the um. At the uh, the tele, you know, at a phone booth, or well, something like the like black that. guy comes in, Mister Minnie, you got a phone call. <laughs> see now, see now that that's that's a, something that doesn't age well because that means you know right. you can't watch. It takes you out of the movie. Right. But something else, something like that, is just of its time. Them talking about the MTV rotations in two thousand two, it was still a little bit of a big thing, you know, to get to get that rotation. That was the the dynamics of mm-hmm. the music business. Uh, at that time, to a degree, it was changing. So it, I was about, it, it, yeah, I was about kinda, to, even in two thousand two. It, it probably it probably was aging a little bit there, but it was still right, very much a you thing. And, and remember, you we have to remember that this, at its core, 
is a romantic comedy, mm-hmm. right? Which just which is just wearing the trappings of right. hip hop well, and the music industry and everything like that. But I I really didn't see it like like to me, Boomerang. When we talked about Boomerang, Boomerang doesn't age well. One because uh, you know to a degree it's fashions, but not so much. But more so because of its mindset mm. and, and 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 the point of view where it's coming from. This movie, right? It, I, I not that. not aging well is not something I would hold against right. it because Boomerang, you know, Boomerang doesn't get rapey. But it's like two doors down. It's very misogynistic. Very. Where it's like, oh, this is icky. So, yeah, okay. All right. I, I, I'll buy that. I'll buy that for a dollar. Sure. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I did note, you, you talked about, you know, the rise of the super Negroes and everybody is, is at the zenith. <laughs> yeah. Of everything. That's the word I was thinking. I, I did, I did write down uh, the, the Tiffany bridal shower. I love the Tiffany bridal oh shower. God. It's like, ooh, it's the pile of blue boxes because everyone shopped at Tiffany's. Because certainly, you remember being in your late 20s and going to that first wave of weddings when you'd go to Tiffany's. Of course. And buy someone a, you know, two, three hundred dollar set of champagne flutes for the bridal shower. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Don't you remember doing that? Right. I just remember in that scene, it was very weird. Um, Sydney walks into the party. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, with her little box. And then she says hello to Reese. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Reese says, you know, hello from off off screen. Mm-hmm. And then it appears Reese walks out of a plant <laughs> <laughs> to greet her. And I'm like, wow, that's weird. It, it, it just took me out of the movie for a quick second uh, right there. But I do. <laughs> I did. Ha- I did have a, a bad flashback when she opens up. Sydney's uh, bridal gift, right? Mm. And it's the leather thong, right? right? With the zipper. Going back to my high school days, when uh, uh, where are we going? Right, right. (laughs) just a a, a girl I was dating. Oh lord! And it was Valentine's Day, and I wanted to get you know something very special for my lady, right? And uh, and she loved it. And later that night, her mother called my house mm. and I was talking to my mom and I'm just o- overhearing and my mom looks at me like talking into the phone it's like it was straight out of a TV like out of TV he gave her crotchless panties <laughs> I was like oh her mother found them I-, I thought they were nice they were red satin with white lace I thought they were very nice that was that was not a good gift for a, a 10th grader to, nope. give, to give his, his, his freshman girlfriend. No. Nope. Um, to that scene. <laughs> no. <laughs> just John. That actually made me think of that. You, you, just to, to, to keep that scene, you, if you remember, when Reese opens the box and mm. sees it, she plays it off and says, this will go nice with my whip. Yes. And what I liked about that moment, and, and, and to, to go back to what you said about the cheat, of Reese actually cheating on um Andre. Andre. I appreciated the fact that they kinda tried to go out of their way not to make her the shrewish bitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
you know, like you saw moments where you could see she was trying Mm -hmm. and but, you know, sort of faced with true love. What can you do? And and, you know, you know, something else you said about she made good points like like I remember, you know, he comes home and he quit his job, which, you know again dog you can't be quitting your, like we're right. married you can't be quitting your job without letting me know but okay you quit your job and now you want to start your record company and there's that moment where she sucks it up and says okay we'll call some money people tomorrow i'll see what we can do and then he says well sydney already gave me a check and mm-hmm. she says yeah and it's a great point why does she know about this before i knew why about is that first stop right so right. I just wanted to put that like I appreciate like you know we we might be I got a whole and 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 Marie Johnson theory like Anne Marie Johnson from the eight like Anne Marie Johnson always played like the real skinny educated light skin bitch and like <laughs> that was her role right and you knew she was evil because she was light and she was skinny and and she was educated and that was her role right and you know and and i think there's there like you kind of see the children of that character Mm. in these films during this period and certainly you 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 know the they've come up more lately you know with my favorite because you didn't know you didn't think i was gonna go a whole episode without mentioning tyler perry's temptation um he's oh God. And I really enjoyed the fact that she wasn't like this. And, and you know, so it's like she's one of my favorite Anne Marie Johnson children with my other one being appropriately enough since um, Nicole Ari Parker plays a character on the television show. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Vanessa Williams character in Soul Food. Okay. Where it complicates See, this but the thing. thing is, is like I like I like Vanessa Williams better as that character. Oh, of course. Than I do Nicole Ari Parker. And I I don't know. I don't know why. Because Vanessa Williams is effing awesome. I mean, sure, she's Bay. Yeah. Oh but, no, no. I mean, just as as a, a yeah, an like, actress and in that role. Yeah, like I, I just think that there's, and I, and I think in part of it has to do with her being on Ugly Betty. Like mm. that was her character mm-hmm. on Ugly yes, Betty. It was. Like, and it she just did it so well. Like I, I just don't. I also don't connect with Nicole Ari Parker. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't like. Mm-hmm. Don't have yeah, she doesn't. It, I mean, big up for you, but she never really connects. With yeah, me like I, it, she's she's just not not my choice particularly. We're gonna have to do loving Jezebel sooner than later. You'll like her in loving Jezebel if you say so. Um, <laughs> I do say so. You thought I was gonna like the visit. In my defense, I hadn't seen the visit <laughs> in like twenty years. Um, uh, I, I, you were talking about Nicole that whole scene, and there was something I wanted to say, and I, I'm drawing a blank on it. I liked her aunt though. Her aunt yeah. was game for anything. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> her aunt was game for anything. Like it was just like, yeah, cool, cool, all right. Yeah, her aunt was, but it, but again, that's another reason why I think it's just so much of a cheat for her to have cheat. Absolutely, because she was. Um, she, I, oh, another great scene is when they're boxing. First of all, Nicole Ari Park can say what you want. She can throw a punch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if Sanaa was just playing her character or whatever. She don't know how to throw a punch. Part of it is, and now I'm going to let the secret out a little bit. You know she's a Baltimore girl. 
Who? Nicole Ari Parker. Yeah, that's a, yeah. He, he's from Baltimore. So. Be more stand up. Be more. Be more. Yeah. Sure. Be be more careful. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm okay. going there next week. So uh, <laughs> I can't say anything about Baltimore. I'm going there next week. Get yourself a chicken box and just call it a day. What you know about a chicken box? My over sister there. lived down there for like a year, and she came back with an accent too. And- you know about a chicken I was box. like, I don't understand what you're saying to me. But salt, okay. pepper, ketchup. Salt, pepper, ketchup. <laughs> she was just like, yeah, you know, I went down to five guys. Who the hell is that? And I don't know what you're saying to me. And why do you have an accent now? <laughs> like, like those guys. What? I need you to spell it. Can you just text it to me? Because I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. So, it, so did Baltimore give rise to five guys? Because I think this is one of the most overrated things on earth. No, yeah, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's from I think it's from here. Yeah, no, they're not from here. Not from Philly. Philly. Not from, from Philly, like yeah. Scranton, oh, really? Allentown. Somewhere but I've not had a proper chicken box since I moved to Philadelphia. You won't find one here. I, I know. Yeah. I have to. Well, I'll have to. I've never had a chicken, chicken box. box. Yeah. I'll give myself a chicken box yeah. when I go there. All next right. week. Mm-hmm. Thank you for um, coming out and joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is this this is a pleasure. This is a pleasure. You know, ever since I met you, um, and you were telling me about how you wanted to do a podcast, which became the uh, reluctantly adult, the wildly successful podcast that is out there, um, which we will talk about in a little bit because it's just a, such a cool concept for it. Um, but I I checked you out, and you were at the Blackfinity Gauntlet. The, yes, the teaming up yes. of all the different uh, black podcasts. Uh, how did you like that? I thought it was dope. Honestly, um, I think that I think that it's a situation where um, in the world of podcasting and I actually went to a Philadelphia society podcasting society meeting, Mm -hmm. literally the only black person and the only woman. Wow. So, yeah. So it was a a thing where I was just like, okay, that event that I went to the Black Finney Gauntlet, like that is necessary. Um, It's necessary because sort of our points of view are valid but yes. also on on the other hand they're they're different and and that sort of allows you to look at things from from a varied perspective that you genuinely may not have even considered in the past um and it doesn't make your perspective wrong but it sort of just widens your scope of of what you should be cognizant of and i thought it was great it was great it and- was great and uh, your podcast, like we talked about, the Reluctantly Adult. Let's just just really quick give people the thirty second pitch on what the Reluctantly Adult podcast is about. Sure. So, Reluctantly Adult is an advice podcast for people who believe they shouldn't be allowed to adult, and essentially, <laughs> it's aimed at people who are millennials. And essentially, um, millennials, we are afraid to ask certain questions in part because we haven't had to have certain experiences, mm-hmm. and that's just part and parcel of growing up with more technology more access being aware of more things you inherently don't have to learn more to some extent um but there are still sort of classic growing up things that it is thought that we should know and we are just like oh shit i don't know how to do this oh (laughs) my god um so the downside to that is we're also a very prideful generation where we're just like, I'm not asking anyone like that's what Wikipedia is for. That's what YouTube is for. I'm going to figure it out. Um, and sometimes you can't figure those things out without talking to someone else. Uh, so I just said, I will take on sort of the embarrassment. I will take on, uh, the feeling dumb and go out and seek these people that are actually doing these things. 
and then put those conversations out there and hopefully someone can get something from that and, and they can learn something from it. So very nice. Thank you. So, so give me an example. Uh, so I think my most successful month so far, and it just happened to all fall together um, beautifully, uh, was February. And okay. February was all about sex. Okay. Let's so, talk about sex, babe. <laughs> exactly. Um, so essentially sex is something that's awkward to talk about in general. I think, um, I think that there is a certain maturity level that most people lack in general, myself included. Um, and I actually, a, a really good friend of mine, Liz, she played my producer for that entire month because she's a little bit more open about these things. She kind of is, she's very responsible and very adult around this particular topic. So I was just like, I'm going to need you here because I'm based, I, I go back and I listen to those episodes and I was just like, damn, did I black out while recording these? Like, I genuinely don't remember doing them. Mm -hmm. Um, but the way that I set it up is that I look to talk to an expert. I look to talk to regular people in round tables. They're always gendered. And then I look to talk to someone that is completely outside of the box of what you would expect. So um, my out-of-the-box person for February was a dominatrix. Okay. Nice. Because it's, it's sex, but it's also adjacent because most... I shouldn't say most people, but it, it's seen as like a fetish or as a kink. And it's not seen as something that is wholly a part of what you would consider to be traditional sex, whatever that is for someone. Um, so I wanted to talk to her, but I also talked to a sex expert that's in Philly, um, you know, and then I also had a round table of all guys just talking about sex. And then I had a round table of all women and they turned out completely different. Hilarious. All the same. Right. But. Right hilarious for different reasons sort of like the guys were very being very respectful of their their partners and um being very cognizant of what they were saying and the next day i had women and they were just like i don't give a damn like i could say whatever i want so it, it was really really funny in that regard and i just do my best to ensure that each time i go to talk about a topic it's it's just informative and it's funny and it's lighthearted and I've I've had a lot of people come back to me and say like it's informative but it's also funny and I was just like I'm not aiming to be funny ever I, I'm genuinely not like I'm genuinely just having conversations and putting them out there and that's it um but I really enjoy it um, I'm getting really great feedback um and it's it's going well so far it is going very well it's it's really going well and um. Uh, I want to put you on the spot sure. a little bit right here live on the Michelle mission, which does um, air on Michelle.com. Um, but it's also part of the black tribbles podcast network mm -hmm. of which, you know, I'm a black triple, you know, some would say the black triple, but I, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I All right. I'll let other people say it for me. I, I would say that. I would say, that. thank you, Vince. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so I'm going to put you on the spot and and make you a proposal. Okay. Uh, I love your show. Thank you. And more importantly, and and more to the point, I love your energy, mm -hmm. and I love what you do. And I love your voice, and I, lo and I love how you put everything together. And you're serious minded about it, um, and I love how you how you have quickly crafted a very professional and high and uh, high quality show. 
it's a one woman show too by the way hey it's just me sometimes sometimes it's all that's, that's sometimes it's better that way yeah hmm. uh. um so so i want to put it out there to you mm-hmm. that if you are down mm-hmm. I would love to make Reluctantly Adult part of the Black Tribbles Are podcast. Are you serious? I'm very serious. Yeah, that would be awesome. I, I'm, I'm very, very serious. Yeah, that would be awesome. Absolutely. See, that's why y'all got to come and get the third cheer. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in the third cheer does not guarantee a spot on the Black <laughs> No, it does right. not. No, it yeah, does you should not. throw that in there. <laughs> no, like. it does not. It does not. But being Charmel does. So uh, if, if you're interested, that's, this, this spot is yours. Yeah, absolutely. That would that would be fantastic. Cool. As a matter All of right. fact, that was something that I was talking about at the Podcast Society. Like I was like, <laughs> I need to get in on a network because doing this by myself is hard. <laughs> All yeah. right, cool. All right. All right. All right. So let me ask you, watching Brown Sugar again, I don't know if I, how long it's been since you watched it. It's been a while. Has it, uh, how has this viewing influenced your overall uh, feelings for the movie? I think like if I were, you know, going to have like a movie night with my friends or what have you, it would still be a part of it. Hmm. But I think that I think that it would be a movie toward the end where, you know, everybody gets tired of putting the movies on. You're not really paying attention to them anymore. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I think that there are only certain times of this movie that you have to pay attention. Um mm. and it doesn't That's a very it, good point. Like it, it doesn't take all of your, your brain power to watch it. Um, and while I was sort of like critiquing it, like it doesn't hold up well to critique either. Um, it, it just doesn't. But I think that if you want something that is just light and just something that you don't have to think and you can just watch it, I think that this delivers in that way. Um, and quite frankly, the tertiary characters are more interesting. Yes, yes, than, yes that's what we're talking. You know, yes, absolutely. Like, outside of like some very few sort of scenes that that are actually really fun or really endearing, I would watch you know, Cabby and um, Francine together all the time. Yes, like, I, I, w- I would watch that movie instead. Yes, um, because it's just much more interesting. Um. But again, like it's it's a it's a classic also in the sense that it came out of that time with the glut. Like you can't sort of disregard it in that way either. Right. Um because and, and another thing is that I, I expressly wrote down like this movie feels like the wood and I couldn't figure out why until I looked it up and I was right. like, It's the same, same director. director. That's yeah. why. Um but I you know I love the music in it, honestly. Like, it's just yeah. like I like the I like the music in it. I think it, it which holds is, it together better. Which isn't necessarily on the soundtrack, right? Like all the stuff I like is not on the soundtrack, exactly. So yeah. I gotta have it on so I can hear this music. That exactly, I like. exactly. I feel you. I feel you. Hey, Lynn, we could have like a brown sugar mixtape party, and we both are. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Let's make it so. We're getting closer to yes. No, we're not. Closer to yes. <laughs> Sounds more positive this time. That was a more positive no. So, Vince, would you say that people should watch this film? You know what? I'm going to surprise you. I'm not going to say that people shouldn't watch it, but this is the closest that I would say you don't need to watch Brown Sugar because I think everything that you can get in Brown Sugar, you can get in other films better. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with you. Um, however, 
to much what you said, like uh, Charmel, that this is the type of movie that I could see on at a get together mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, it catching your attention every once in a while, if, if, if only for a beat or maybe, you know, it's like, Oh, look at Tay Diggs smile. Remember with that smile? <laughs> yeah. I remember that smile. Remember his smile and rent. Lord Jesus. Yes, I do. Or yeah. in best man or, be, or best man. See or in how Stella got her groove back or in house. To, see, you can get it somewhere else. And that's where better. They, and that's where it'll take you. Yeah. Right. Um, but it, it's not, it's not a bad film. Um, but don't let us be your judge, ladies and gentlemen. Go check out um, Brown Sugar. Check it out. It's it's cool. And uh, while you're checking out Brown Sugar and you have that on in the background, turn down the volume and then download the Reluctantly Adult Podcast yes. with Charmel Scipio, um, which people can get at... Uh, you can check it out on my website at www.ireluctantlyadult.com or you can subscribe to it on iTunes or Google Play. There you go. All right. Are you on Google Play too? I'm on Google Play. We on Google Play too. We I have no idea how to find it on Google Play yeah. myself. <laughs> but but if you know. I'm there. <laughs> let us know that you found us there. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, thank you, Charmel. This is yes. so much fun. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Now you selected brown sugar. The third seat is always open to you. You've got another film, even if it's one that you don't like. I want to talk to them about this piece of crap called blank. Hey, bring it in because we're reviewing all of the black films. All of them. Oh, my God. Then if I had to do a movie that I hate, it would definitely be something by Tyler Perry. Well, then our next Tyler Perry movie will let you be the judge. Okay. I hope it's one that I've already seen so I don't have to rewatch anything. Well, you'll choose it. Okay. You'll be the you'll be the choice. We'll we'll put you on the schedule. We need a third chair defender. A third chair defender of Tyler Perry's canon. So somebody that somebody that's I am here for an hour plus to talk about the positive things in this film. That's okay. what we need. So well then th- that third chair has to select the yes. Tyler Perry Perry movie that I'm, they like. I'm publicly putting that out. That I think. So if was, you like a Tyler Perry movie, if there's a Tyler Perry movie that you want to cape up for. Yeah, you want that to has come, nothing to do with him living in a car and Jesus. <laughs> you want to? <laughs> Good luck. If you want to come <laughs> in <laughs> and talk, share us, share it with us you on the Michelle mission. To live in a car. <laughs> Hit us up at Michelle Mission at gmail dot com, or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Michelle Mission. All right, please do that. So this has been fun. Uh, Absolutely. Next week we've got another guest. Do we, Professor Andre Carrington? That is next week. He will be in here next week, and his film is Cleopatra Jones. Oh, yes. That will be quite exhilarating. Yes. That will be quite exhilarating. That'll be the first time it'll be three guys in here. Yeah. Talking about Pam Greer. No. Oh, okay. No, 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 I'm sorry. No, no. I, I got that mixed up with a different movie then. Sorry. It's all right. No, that's all right. That's all right. I'm like 10 also compared to you guys. So. Wow. Okay. On go. that note, and as we, we kick go. her the hell out of here. That's right. Uh, this is Len, that's Charmel, <laughs> and that's Vince. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. No, it, no, 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 no. See, that, that's not fair. You got to go back to you. Let us know 
do you like Vince's new sound off? We want to hear it from you. Destiny, Destiny, I need to know. Do you like that from Vince? I, I know you do. Tell me. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.